How you doing? My name is Mario Lord, Real Estate Guru PK on YouTube and Instagram. Y'all check out my affiliate link with Justin P. He's a, half of the owner of Support Black Businesses. Um, Y'all check out the big business and the Runaway Billionaire affiliate link down below in the description below. And y'all also check out N1 Finance, Weeble, and then I also have a course, an ebook, it's $25. It's like my mentor course. It shows you how to wholesale. And then my other affiliate links for SoFi, Robinhood, Discover, Chase. And that's it, y'all have a nice day. Hey, how y'all doing? We on another episode of Real Estate Guru Podcast. I'm with a special guest. TJ Tajani. Man, what's good, fellas? Um, what's good? He went from uh, hustling Jordan shorts out of Foot Locker. <laughs> <laughs> to, I uh, know that story. God. To, to engineer yeah. for a couple of years and then uh, got about five rentals, correct? And mm. then you, you didn't want to quit yet, but, you know, you took your walking papers. Yeah. And yeah. now you got almost 40, correct? <laughs> yeah, we're just, uh, we're just over 30 at this point. But right. we're, we'll be... Man, we're probably looking to at least double that next year. Uh, how long did it take you to get that? Um, so I launched my first one December 2017. Um, so it's like four years. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. December 2017. Um, then and and that first one was one I owned, and I didn't even know much about the strategy, which is known now called rental arbitrage. Right. This is the control without ownership. This is you may also being referred to as master leasing, right, or rent to rent, um, mm-hmm. but. I wasn't a preview to that strategy at first. So I wanted to get into the short-term rental game. And the first one I did was a house that I own. And at the time I was just gonna, the plan was just to re- uh, remodel it and make it a traditional rental, just like I had my other properties. And in my research, and that's why I like to tell people, I, this, this strategy, I wasn't even looking for it. it kind of just fell on my lap. I was doing market research on increasing my marketing efforts to, cause I was doing wholesaling and creative deals at the time. And so, in my research, I saw a video on short term rentals about Airbnb. At the time, I hadn't even stayed in an Airbnb. <laughs> I was like, I know about Airbnb, but um, I didn't know you can actually make this a business. And so I decided instead of putting a traditional tenant in that first one, I just decided to furnish it. I spent fourteen thousand dollars to furnish that three bedroom, two bath house. It had two living rooms in it. Furnished the whole thing. Uh, it came out pretty nice. And so then I never forget it. I uh, I furnished it. And the last day, I like, it was done. And so I went home, and I hit the launch button, boom, launched it on Airbnb. And I was like, wow, what, what did I just do? I don't know if this thing going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then I put the phone down, and I started watching a movie. And then somebody inquired. This is an inquiry. It's a question. Yeah. 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 It wasn't even a booking. Yeah. But the <laughs> level of excitement in my spirit was just so, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah it's ready. Book it. Book it. It's ready. And so I didn't get a booking that night. But I woke up with two bookings the very next day. I was like, oh, wow. And so when I crunched the numbers, what made the strategy become such a no-brainer for me is even with those two bookings, I was like, man, at the price point that I was at, which was well below market, at that price point, and um, even if I'm only 50% occupied for the month, I'm still looking to at minimum double what I would as a traditional rental. Mm -hmm. So I said, man, there's something here. Then I got educated. Then I learned that I even had to own these properties. Right. So I heard that I learned that you can just rent them um, if you rent them the right way, though. I think a lot of mistakes that people are making is that they're renting them incorrectly and getting themselves in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, they are there are folks who a lot of folks actually do this business and they just want to do Airbnb. Mm-hmm. just kind of want to put a property up on there to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like me, the way I teach my students, the way I teach this business is to actually grow a business out of it. 
make it a actually make it a business. So, um, and yeah, and we you know built a nice community of this uh, business with this particular strategy. Um, so, I own I actually own most of my I own most of my short term rentals because although you can arbitrage can rent these properties you don't have to own them um but i like to let people know you should definitely place value on ownership at the end of the day um definitely the goal should be to own your short-term rentals that Mm -hmm. should be the goal at some point in time at some point in time even if you transition from arbitraging at some point in time i like to consider calling going from phase one to phase two phase one build that nice nest egg of what that cash flow goal is every month and then transition to phase two and start owning outright short-term rentals and watch the yields in the short-term rentals um, with, with that strategy watch the kind of cash flow happens it's, it's just an amazing thing combining the two so this uh this <coughs> this uh method uh short-term rental that you do it's a full-fledged business now yes yeah, full- <laughs> i mean yeah, it, it, let's let's not be let's not get beside <laughs> ourselves we're, we're talking to quote unquote the king of <laughs> short term rentals in the Houston area. Hey. Anybody that I know that we talk to that we interview or we've uh, just, you know, chatting around, the first person that pops up out of their mouth is TJ <laughs> when you talk about short term rentals. Oh man, it's so Yeah, it's and, and it's an honor. Um it's, you know, something that I decided and and my life didn't change in this business until I decided to get laser focused. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to getting to the short term rental strategy, I was, of course, I was an engineer and I got laid off. Um, I was working on a couple other things. I was looking at some network marketing things. It was, I was trying to do this. I was trying to find this job and I was spread way too thin. And even with me doing real estate, doing creative deals, I was still wholesaling. I was, but when I found this strategy, I was still doing this strategy and then lot, still doing a lot of other things. But nothing changed drastically for me until I decided, you know what, I'm letting every single thing else go. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to master this. And and honestly, that was what best works for me. Um, I mastered that. And in mastering that, I've automated, I've systemized it. Um, and now I'm able to do a lot of other things, create some vertical integrations or really just any other businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got my, my feet are now my hands are now touching a lot of other businesses. But. I'm able to do that now because I mastered what I, what my main hustle is. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And one of the things I love about this strategy is this is one of those businesses to where um, it tracks with the kind of business that I like to grow. Businesses that I don't mind being a technician in the business, working in the business for some time, but eventually transition to being an entrepreneur where I'm more so the puppet master, mm-hmm. make sure my team is set up for success. And now I have a team running the business. See, today's Tuesday. I don't know if I worked two hours in my business last week mm-hmm. right, with as many units as we ran, right? But what that does is that now I have the time to do a lot of other things. Yep. And that's what I love about the business. Can we talk about, um, you had two jobs working your way through school, right? <laughs> yeah, Can yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit, how, yeah. how hard it was so, so for all the college students that watched? Man. You know, how, put a, how you grinded that? Yeah, put a context on it. What year is this? This is, uh, I got, I started college 2006. Mm-hmm. So I uh, started college 2006. I graduated 2012. So it took me six years. To get to get my engineering degree, it took six for one because I went into college. I just wanted to do architecture. So my first year, I did architecture. Then I had to apply to get into the engineering school. Then the first time I applied, I didn't even get in. They said that even though I had really good grades and my GPA was good, they said, "Nah, this specific class, we need you to do like make this score." It was the chemistry for engineers. It was a crazy hard class, but I ended up doing it. Um, got the grade that I needed to. Then I then I got into engineering school. But to your point, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm the first in my family to go to college, and um, it was a it was a tough tough time but it was a such a fulfilling time at the same time um because i ended up putting myself through school and i'll never forget my mom 
my mom, my mom is like, she's, we're, we're, we're like this, right? She's literally to me, she's like the best human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I talk about her, sometimes I like throw, my, throw her accent in there cause it's just so her, I'm just so used to talking about her that way. But my mom would always tell me like, like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing? How, how are you? Why are you signing up for school? I don't have money to send you to college. Like, what are you, what are you, how are you gonna go to school? I'm like, mom, don't worry about it. She was more so like, ah, Taufik, what are you doing? Ah. Oh, Nigerian? <laughs> Nigeria, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, by the way, I 100% right. Nigerian. Okay. And one of the reasons why I had to yeah. put myself through college yeah. is because I was an immigrant. Like, I'm an immigrant and I, you know, didn't have, wasn't, wasn't a citizen. So I couldn't get scholarships. I was awarded the Dell Scholarship out of high school. One of the only few people in the entire district to get it, which was uh, $20,000 plus a free Dell laptop to go to school. And literally within two weeks later, they had to take it away from me Dang. because it's like, man, we did a background check. You're not, you're not a citizen. Wow. That's part of the requirement. You got to be a citizen. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't get it. Um, so I couldn't even get financial aid. I qualify for the maximum financial aid. They wouldn't even give me financial aid. They wouldn't even give me a loan. <laughs> I try to take a loan out <laughs> to go to college. They wouldn't give me a loan. And so then the only choice I had was just to pay for it myself. And what's crazy is that they wanted me to pay out of state tuition, mm-hmm. um, even though I was going to college right here in Houston. Uh, they wanted me to pay out of state, but because of my status, right? And then um, it was crazy. There was a, I visited University of Houston. That's one of the reasons why I knew I wanted to go there. There was a guy that came and spoke to, uh, to our class. I was in like an AP class in high school. And he came and spoke. And after he spoke, I told him, I said, man, Mr. Woodson, I really, really want to go to college. I want to go to U of H, but they got me paying this out of state. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, then I explained to him my situation. And he said, he said, man, I got a form I need you to notarize. I need you to get signed. And as soon as I did it, as soon as I did it, he I got a letter two 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 weeks later said, Hey, you've been granted in state tuition. How he did it, I'm not really sure. But he was able to get me in state instead of out of state. And so now just the second battle is, okay, how the heck am I gonna still pay for school? Mm-hmm. Right. But at least half the battle line, I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm in the door. So then I just started working, right? I worked at Foot Action <laughs> selling shoes. And what I had two, I, I guess in that job, I had three hustles. I guess in a way, three vertical integrations within yeah. <laughs> that one job. I was selling shoes, of course. That was like the main way I got paid. Then whenever retros came out, the Jays came out, uh, people would literally, because the line would usually be wrapped oh, like around the corner. Yeah, around the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our usual get our usual customers at the store would pay us to just hold the shoe. Mm-hmm. That way they ain't gotta come in oh, <laughs> and they man. gotta wait in line. Just put them back. They, yeah. And they would pay like five hundred bucks. Not you're not going to get in trouble for this, are you? <laughs> you come back for your check, so, man. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, no. So they they would pay. And this is not including the cost of the shoe. Yeah, yeah. Just to hold it. Mm. Just to hold it. And so I would at least hold, every time, I would at least hold at least six shoes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just mm-hmm. for some folks that I was really, really cool with. Yeah. Um, so we did that. And so that was one hustle. <laughs> and so then also twice a month. We would have they would have like these clearance sales, like crazy sales on all the apparels, especially apparels because they were trying to make room for the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I would add my employee discount on top of the sales, and I would buy everything in the store, everything in the store. And it would be like all the Jordan shorts, the Nike shorts, mainly were the two things that people wanted the most. Mm-hmm. So I'll buy these for like five bucks, ten mm-hmm. bucks when you include all the discounts. So I would literally take my bags. <laughs> And I would go into the dorm rooms at the University of Houston, and then I would sell these shorts for $25, $30 a pop because mm-hmm. they retail for $59. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. So <laughs> half price. Exactly. So it was like half price. So it's a deal. So essentially, I didn't know it at the time. I was wholesaling. Yeah. Right. These <laughs> Jordan apparels yeah. and Nike apparels. Wouldn't necessarily know what I was doing, but I was doing it. And that I love that hustle. Like that hustle was a little different because I would walk in. It got so popular to where people would be like, oh, TJ, oh, yeah, TJ, uh, he got the Jordan choice. It got so exclusive because every time when I came, it would be a line and it will be like within 15 <laughs> minutes, everything's gone. Yeah. And so it got so crazy to where I would just like ping, like I'll just release like a little whisper because they don't know when I'm coming with it. So I'll just put a whisper out there. Oh, no, TJ got the shorts coming tonight. Like, yeah. so, so, so I would go and I would clean up. So within that one job, I, would just, I, was, I was stacking cash and all I was doing is I would put my money to the side. Now, here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is that when I signed up for orientation, because, you know, these colleges, they want their money, right? Like, correct, they correct. want their money before you even get signed up for classes. Yeah. So I went to go talk to a lady at the financial aid office. And I said, man, what options do we have here? And she said, well, you can defer your payments to the end of the semester, but we have to charge you interest. I said, okay, well, how much interest? She said, 5%. I said, okay, it's not that bad. I can make that work. So every semester, I would defer my tuition to the end of the semester, and I would just work my butt off, work my ass off during the semester, it. stack the cash, and I will pay my tuition at the end of the semester. And I did that for six years, but it required me to work a lot. I was working 40-plus hours a week, 50 hours a week sometimes. In school. Yep. In school, take, still taking a full-time student load, and that's how I was able to pay myself through school. Six years later, I graduated my engineering degree and my mathematics degree. Wow. What what kind of engineering degrees you get? The mechanical. Mechanical. mechanical? Nice. Mechanical. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do civil uh, because our, it kind of aligned. They work with architects a lot. Uh, but my, my mentor at the time, he was like, man, do mechanical. It's harder, but do it. You'll be you'll be way more versatile. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick engineering? Is it, no, are, are, you, are you mechanically inclined or are you just <laughs> the engineering status? And or? you know, and you know, I don't know if you guys ever heard about kind of the stigma, what they say about um, the the profession options you have as a Nigerian child. You, you could be an engineer, words, yeah. a doctor, yeah. a lawyer, or yeah. a failure, right? Yep. 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 <laughs> so, so, but what's interesting is that I, nobody pressured me to be an engineer. Nobody even said that, nah, you need to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I chose to be an engineer. Yeah. But can I be honest? I didn't even know what the heck an engineer did. I chose to be one. <laughs> yep. I didn't even know what an engineer did. My mentor at the time, I was studying math. I was studying, because I was really good at math, and I was just studying. And he, he was like, man, you're really good at this stuff. I said, yeah. And then uh, he was like, what do you do? And I told him by myself, and I asked him what he did. He told him by himself. He was in his senior year about to graduate and work for Shell. And he showed me his resume. He said, man, I'm about to start making $92,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Like out of college. I said, shut the door. You, you lying. Yeah. And he literally showed me his resume. He showed, I was like, wow. Uh, he was like, man, you're really good at math. You should be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Like you're really good at yeah. it. And then, and then I found out that the architecture program is super, like you don't even need much math at all for mm-hmm. architecture. But I was really good. That's like the one subject I'm really good at. So I just felt like, okay, engineer plays more to my strengths. I didn't know much about what an engineer did. So that's why I decided to be an engineer. That's it. That's literally how I became an engineer. That, Honestly, was... best decision ever. Did you did you graduate yeah. with student debt or you paid your way? No, through? no, I paid my way. Awesome. I didn't have no yeah. student debt when I graduated. Awesome. Wow, that's so, a rarity. So graduated. Uh, what year was that? 12? 2012. Twelve. Two thousand twelve. So between twelve and when you launched your first Airbnb, which is seventeen. Yep. What did you do in those five years? <laughs> that's a great question. So oh, I worked. Wow. I was uh, well. <laughs> I was working oil and gas, and my job and what's crazy is that I was making six figures out of college, mm-hmm. but it came at a cost. It came at my time mm-hmm. quite a bit. My job required me as a subsea installations engineer required me to be offshore quite a bit. I was literally gone about 60, 65% of the year. I was working on a boat, a rig, 
Um, you know, I got promoted to be in the league, and it was everything was great uh, working as an engineer. And then uh, one of my boys, my frat brothers, uh, he he gave me, he he called me. He was like, "Bro, I just got done reading this book, and it just reminded me of you, man. I I, I just watched you hustle throughout college. I think you should read it." Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so I bought the book. Robert Kiyosaki. I bought the book and I took it off. Actually, I actually was supposed to go offshore. I took the book offshore with me. And literally, while I was on that rig, I read it. The first time I read it, I said, man, get me off this boat. Yeah. <laughs> get me off this rig. I need to get some assets in my belt right now. Yeah. Change, your, all- change your mindset. What? Yeah. I read it twice. Yeah. I read it twice while I was offshore. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, I need to get, I need, I need to start investing in real estate. And that's really what the, the light bulb couldn't have been brighter. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do it. I, I knew I wanted to own, own properties. And uh, and that's how I got into real estate. And literally, as soon as I got as soon as I got back in town, I started researching. I was a student of YouTube University, student of uh, mm-hmm. all kind of research, free research. And I joined a local uh, real estate group. I paid like five grand to mm-hmm. to be a part of kind of their inner circle kind of mastermind. And then I paid another seven grand to learn how to wholesale. Then I started wholesaling. Um, and it's interesting because the, the guy that I paid seven grand to, um, he's now like me and him, are we do business together now. And I'm teaching him Airbnb now. Mm-hmm. He's a big time. I mean, he, he does his thing. Um, and um, and so it's that's how I got into real estate. And it has been like a heck of a journey. So I was doing real estate on the side while I was an engineer. I actually put properties on a contract while I was offshore. Like, seriously, how? So yeah, yeah, virtually. So, um, so and that's how I got into real estate. And then my goal, I said, you know what? I knew for a fact I didn't want to retire as an engineer. I knew for a fact that, um, you can tell me having to go through that in college. You can tell me I wasn't going to be a CEO. I'm an engineering company, Big Don, VP somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally within six months, I knew that I wanted to carve my own path. So I set a goal out for myself. I said, you know what? Ten units. I want ten doors. Ten single-family houses. I'm going to walk away from this short, this engineering job. And then the, when the oil and gas market took a hit come 2016, I was on a big project with, with ExxonMobil. And... Um, but when everybody, when the market tanks, then everybody stops drilling. As you can imagine, when oh, price yeah. of oil is a hundred dollars a barrel, everybody's happy. Yeah, everybody's eating. Yeah, and so but when it goes below that, like when it got as like forty two. Yeah. Then, but it costs forty six to build and produce crude oils and hydrocarbons. Then, yeah, they're not gonna stop, they're gonna stop drilling. And then we, my company, we were at the face of the economy. Like we provided all the subsea equipment used to extract crude oils and hydrocarbons so when they's not doing any work we are the first to get let go like literally the first so that's why we were for about like when i was laid off there's probably 78 people got laid off that day just that day alone and um and it was interesting because a year later they wanted me to come back but at the time i already called my own path so did that's your how I got did your real estate when you're at that point you know for people that are in that position at that point, you had already had doors, right? Yeah. You had some rentals. I have, yeah, I had so, five. So, so I choose for ten. Then I had five. Then I was laid off. So when you when you got laid off, did that uh, cushion? And it's not it's there's not a ton of money coming mm-hmm. in at five mm-hmm. rentals, mm-hmm. but did that cushion and maybe even equity that you have in those properties kind of give you a little peace of mind? Let me tell you why I wasn't even tripping when I was laid off because, for one, I was I was so ready to bet on myself. Secondly, to your to your point, um, to me. When you consider the term being financial free, you have to take into consideration it's not so much about how much cash flow you have coming in. It's more so about what are your expenses? What does it cost you to live? Mm -hmm. And does your passive income cover that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. My cost of living was very low, very low. 
And so what out my income from my five rental property was already covering my cost of living. So that's why I was like, all right, I want to get with it quicker. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would tell people, man, shoot, like that first goal should be to, that first goal in terms of income on your passive, not your earned income, not your earned, but on your side, your, your side hustle, that first goal should be to cover all your expenses. Cover living expenses. I got a Absolutely. quick question. The, the $92,000 uh, turnkey property that you put 20% down, can you tell us about that? <laughs> a little bit about that real quick. <laughs> you so that was my first one. That was my first one. And I'm glad you asked that because my very first rental property, and remember I told you I joined a real estate group, the local one. And uh, can, you, can you say the name or are you lifestyles? Uh, lifestyes okay. Yeah, yeah I, lifestyles. I was a member. Okay. Lifestyles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I joined lifestyles, and I joined like the level to where you know the agents will kind of, kind of so, put you first and send mm -hmm. you some deals and stuff. Mm -hmm. like you weren't a pig though. The no, I preferred investor. No, it's like I want twenty pick. grand. Yeah, it's like twenty. Yeah. I did the one before that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Challenge <laughs> member. Yeah, the challenge like, member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I was. So I mean that, and, and that level, they have agents that sometimes will send you. Like deals, yeah, and, yeah, and you know, first come, first serve, like kind of one of those situations. So it was, it was a turnkey property. Matter of fact, the owner had just redone the roof, just redone the floors, redone the electrical plumbing. It was, it was ready to go. So they need any rehab. So I did a co conventional loan on it, twenty percent down, right? So I paid ninety two thousand for it. So with with tax title fees and everything, I came to close the table twenty two k, boom, paid it. Literally within two weeks, I had it rented. My mortgage, I put it on a fifteen year note. My mortgage was eight forty a month. My lease, uh, my tenant was paying twelve forty a month, and Delta. That difference is my cash flow, right? That was my mm -hmm. first rental property. But the thing is, is that that's the only property I purchased that way, doing a conventional loan. Yeah. Every single property after that, I bought using other people's money, right? So there's a difference. There's when people, when you look to hold real estate, and of course you can do things creatively and things like that. But there's always going to be some a time versus money trade off. So that first property, it cost me my money to mm -hmm. actually purchase it, but not too much time to actually get it rented. I actually had a tenant in within two weeks. I had abundance of applications to sort through, and I had a tenant in within two weeks. But the way I started buying my properties after that, I buy them with other people's money, and I buy them distressed. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, that requires me to actually do the rehab. And so now I'm buying a property distressed, and I'm leveraging private money to fund the purchase price and the remodel get the remodel done, then refinance it, and then I put then I put a tenant in it. But from get purchasing it to, to the point where I'm putting a tenant in it, that can take a couple months, three months. Mm -hmm. So it cost me my time, even though I'm leveraging other people's money, but it cost me my time to, to get it from a point of purchase to cash flow, mm -hmm. right? But I'm leveraging other people's money, but it cost me time. Versus the first example, I leveraged my own money, but it cost me no time to mm -hmm. get it cash flowing. So I would like to tell people like, if you if you are looking to get into real estate, and and just own some assets and and get some income and, and own some assets under your belt um you don't necessarily have to set the real estate world on fire to do yeah. it you can learn how to buy real estate with your time right learn how to buy real estate with your time and just do something modest like two do two deals a year mm -hmm. two deals a year that could be done very part-time mm -hmm. two deals a year in the five years what you have you have 10 properties mm -hmm. now say you in, in year six you sell five to pay off the other five now, because of just clear. now you have yeah. five free and clear houses, yep. and that is the difference between <clears throat> a 401k and an actual retirement plan. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. people don't necessarily have to set the real estate world on fire to make some things happen. I always say the more you know, the less you pay. That's the very more true. you know, the less <laughs> you, you pay. I like that. Yeah. So. Yep. Absolutely. Basic moves. I mean, it, that it, what, you, what you're saying is, is essentially anybody who's listening to this can do that 
keep their job, do that. Yeah, 100%. And in the next five years or 10 years, you should be set. Put yourself in a place to where you're very set. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So why'd you do a, a, a 15 year loan instead of a 30? Is that um, just like whatever, <laughs> you know? No. Um, you know, it was something that the lender had just put in my ear. Oh, it was just okay. like, they want was, you to, yeah. Yeah, he was just like, man, you'll pay it off. Like, it'll go straight to your principal right away. You paid off a whole lot quicker. What Wasn't you, necessarily thinking. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, what will my note be? Yeah. 50. Okay. okay, I'm cool with making four fifty, five hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month. All right, yeah. whatever the case may be, I'm cool with it. Um, and I was just okay with it. But what I do that now, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I just know yeah. there was some kind of trick or something. I'm nah. like, I want it. If you can make it a nah. hundred years, that'd be even better. You know. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Right now. Um, because, well, it depends. Not that I wouldn't do it, actually. No, but, right? but I would say it yeah. depends on your goals. If you are looking, if, you're, if your goal is cash flow, mm -hmm. and it's like strictly cash flow, exactly. you want to maximize your cash flow, then, yeah, go to 30. Your notes will be a lot less, and you'll exactly. be able to make more cash flow. Um, so, it just, so it just depends. You know what I'm saying? It really just depends. You could put it on the 50. You, it'll decrease your cash flow. But, yeah, you'll be able to pay into your principal. You say 50, 50 years? 15. I'm sorry, 15. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, 15, these, these banks bad. really don't want to make money. <laughs> no, 15. You could do it on 15, get your principal yeah. paid down a lot yeah. quicker. But So it just depends. It just depends. But for me now, we just do like, um, we just do 30 years. Because we, we cash maximize flow. the cash flow. Absolutely. It's, it's the name of the game. Can you tell us about the, the boutique hotel? We yeah, going man. On? Yeah. <laughs> so the, and, and you know, we, we were talking earlier and he had asked me a good question earlier about do I have a certain goal in terms of the amount of units? Um, that I have. And I had to process it for a second. I was like, man, honestly, I don't have a certain goal in terms of the amount of units, right? But my goal in terms of the type of um, asset type that I'm purchasing is changing. Now that's going to change. Now that I have a certain goal for that. And so for me now, I've transitioned to from, you know, single family houses, doing rental arbitrage, securing multiple rental arbitrage units at one time, then, you know, buying uh, two to four multifamily units to convert them to fully short-term rental properties. And so now we're buying mid-sized multifamily properties mm -hmm. that we are gutting out and then converting them to boutique hotels. And the beautiful thing about it, though, is that the, the boutique hotel strategy, it works with the same infrastructure that I already have doing with my short-term rental business, mm -hmm. right? So I don't have to change my infrastructure in terms of the way I run my business much at all. We're just playing at a bigger level here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm excited because I closed my first one this year. I'm closing another one, my second one here shortly. Um, the first one's a 13-unit building, um, and it was a multifamily building in a phenomenal location here in Houston. My, uh, it's in, right here in Detroit, right off Emancipation. If folks know, awesome. if folks know anything oh, about Emancipation, uh, we know this is an area that yep. is uh, that is going to change. Probably won't even look nearly the same as it is now within the next five years. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's and it's a corner corner property right there on Emancipation in Cleburne. I mean, just a beautiful property. I almost lost the deal. <laughs> uh, we probably don't have time to go through. Yeah, we do. What, what, <laughs> let me ask you: what, what were the numbers on that property? So it's basic. I mean, whatever, whatever you can tell without <laughs> so, telling too much. So um, purchased the property a lot less than we should have bought it for. <laughs> we got a really, really good deal on it. Got a sweet deal on it. Um, purchased it for six hundred thirty thousand. Uh, what's interesting is that when we had it under contract, yeah. um, the the sellers did not want us to close. Uh, we had a contract. They didn't want us to close because they they realized how yeah how much yeah. money they left on the table mm -hmm. because it was a probate situation, <laughs> right? 
I think the biggest one of the biggest thing the blessing that happened with this deal is um is the fact that we were so connected to the source of the deal. So if you the the this is why wholesalers are able to make the money that they make because they're connected to the source of the deal. Mm -hmm. The closer to the source, the better the deal. So yep. we were directly connected with the probate attorney. Matter of fact, before we even came out of probate, we already sent our offer in, right? So we were already dealing with them. We built that relationship, we built that rapport. So when it came out of probate, we were right there ready to take action. But when we had it on the contract, they realized how much money they left on the table. Mm -hmm. As soon as it came out of probate, now everybody's reaching out to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had on the contract for 630. They got a, they had an offer like, we'll give you a million dollars for it right now. I was going to say, if top of my head, that's worth a million. For easy. 13 we'll units? 13 yeah. doors. We'll get a million dollars for it. They had an offer for one one. Yeah. So, wow. so get this. Then, so they were like, yeah, we want to terminate. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Let me count or something. <laughs> but we, we're on a contract. Yeah. I said, we can't, we're on a contract. Exactly. Yeah. You, I bet you were like, no, we're going to close this. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, we're closing this. <laughs> no matter what. And what's crazy is that um, we didn't have the time to close. My lender needed more time. They only gave us, we only had it on the contract for 30, 35 days. Mm. And the appraisal alone took almost four weeks to come in. <laughs> Just the appraisal. So we needed more time to close. But, of course, they were not willing to extend us. This is why I brought, I brought in a partner. Shout out to my guy, Al. I brought in a partner. And then we just put our money up together. And then we raised the rest. Mm -hmm. And so we were, literally, we raised that money probably in three days. Right? And then we, uh, and then we closed on it. We ended up just paying cash for it. Right. So I put, you know, I put up a good amount. My partner, Al, put up a good amount. Then we just raised the rest. And uh, and then we closed cash. And, and literally the last day on the contract, the last hour at the title company, like they were getting ready to close. And, mm -hmm. we, were, and we were still needed to sign. Literally, I was at a title company waiting. My partner was still scrambling for the last 40K mm -hmm. to come Damn. to the closing table to close the deal. And so uh, so he literally, he showed up and we closed it. I'm talking about the feeling I had was, I mean, I was just like, wow, wow. And I almost lost this yeah. deal. And what's crazy is that that same street, because I work, my gym is literally just a few blocks ahead of that. And I have three other duplexes in this neighborhood. I'm heavily invested in this neighborhood. I literally have to pass up this property, this 13 unit deal, every morning You've to been go sick to the gym. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, if I had lost it, I would have had to look at this yeah. property <laughs> and be reminded of the that's L a, that I yeah. took. That's a home run. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be a home run. Oh, it's yeah. a home run deal. Yeah. It's a home run deal. So the, the, the amazing thing is that when we got the appraisal back, it appraised as is, as it stood for 1.1. As is, mm -hmm. the after repair value came in at two point five. Yep. Oh, easy, my goodness. easy, killed easy, it. Yeah. Oh, killed man. it. Yeah. And Sweet it's going to refinance your money right yeah. out of the deal, right? It's going to be a cash flow king. Yeah, it's always cash flow. Yeah. It's going to be a cash flow monster. Yeah, it's yeah. Be a cash flow yeah. Monster. Are y'all refinancing yeah, we're gonna, money out? We're, we're going to get our money back out. Of it. Oh, okay. What about <laughs> the, we're gonna get our money back. the yeah. investors? All, all our investors already paid back. Okay. Because we we pay cash. Uh huh. And so then we refinanced it. Because uh -huh. now we own the cash. Yeah. Yeah. Now we engaged our bank. Now we refinance with the bank. Pulled all pulled, pulled the uh, investment money out and the money we needed to do the remodel. How much are you paying back? Yeah. Sorry. How much? Uh, yeah. Was it like eight percent, twenty, fifteen? Oh, we oh we gave them ten percent plus a point. Cool. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. What's a round number for that rehab? Oh, uh, we're spending about six hundred fifty thousand on the rehab. Okay, man, y'all, 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 one point two million in, and y'all doubling the money. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Wow, no money that's, in the game. This no is money. yeah, that's that. No beautiful. money in that's the game. Beautiful. Just time, time, just time. Yeah, just time. Yeah. And so now we are literally like that property alone. I mean, the the amount. Of, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, man, we're, we're going to launch it uh, summer, hopefully. But the goal is to have it done. We're making really good time on the rehab right now. Hopefully get it done uh, June, July next year. What does that mean? You said boutique hotel. Yeah. Is this is this going to be like Airbnb on steroids or something? <laughs> <laughs> on steroids. You know, and, and I'm glad you asked that because I, I want to – I don't even look at Airbnb. Just I kind of look at Airbnb different from a lot of people. I look at Airbnb as a lead source. Like the mm-hmm. business that we're doing, we're growing a business, and part of the – Part of the strategy in really building a short-term rental business is to actually also grow a brand, right? Right, Because that way, when you grow a brand, people can book direct with you. We have our own website that people yep. can book direct. I just got a booking. I, had, I posted on my Instagram because it was so funny. Uh, I just got a booking, and they paid me eight grand for three weeks at this property. And this would then come from Airbnb. This came direct. But they came direct from somebody who also booked direct with me before. Mm-hmm. And then they said that, oh, just hit up this guy. See mm-hmm. if he has something for it. They just sent to my website, and then they yep. hit us up, and then yep. we're able to get them in. So now with this, we're looking at working with uh, – we're looking more so with, you know, companies, working with companies like the hospitals. It's literally 10 minutes away from the medical center. So we're working with the hospitals, insurance agencies, insurance companies. So we're looking to to really have more of a, more of a brand, a like like a, it's going to be its own brand, its own hotel essentially, and that's what we're focused on. The Airbnb will literally just to fill. We'll plan is to just use it to fill certain orphan days, like, but the lead source will not be mainly wow. from Airbnb. Yeah. When you say you focused on, you like you got lasers focused on your business. Yeah. What year was that? Man, so this was this was 2017. I got laid off June 1st, 2017. My yeah. birthday, really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got, and so I think I think when when the laser focus came in was I would say February 2018 was when I decided all right I'm I'm going all in probably January when I launched my first arbitrage mm-hmm. I was like all right yeah this is the play. Quickly, um, do you do you think that uh, I mean, are you completely out of arbitrage? No, I'm not. No? I'm not. I'm not okay. out of arbitrage. Uh, we still have a lot of arbitrage units, um, but just mostly, I think it's probably more like well, not including the boutique hotel, but it's more like a sixty forty right now. Okay, sixty five thirty five. Yeah. Sixty uh, leaning heavier on the ownership. Can, can we talk about uh, the party they had where? Um what, they called you and then they put the sock over the uh, the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you must have listened to it. <laughs> I'm like, how my God doing about all these dope stuff that has happened? Okay, so uh, yeah, oh my gosh, you know, you know, um, this was May 2000 and May 2018. Um, this was May 2018. I'm rocking it. I'm killing. Short term rental business going crazy. Um, I had, this is my, this is actually my first arbitrage unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a downtown Houston. Um, and they, it was a one bedroom apartment. Apartment complex is well aware of the situation. They know exactly what I'm doing. They know it's a short term rental. Mm-hmm. And so then I had a, I had literally only one day out the month, not booked one day out the month, not booked. And I was like, I'm going to get a hundred percent occupancy so I can go brag. So I can go say, yeah, yeah I'm a hundred percent, you know? So I like, so I was like, and somebody reached out and said that, Hey, I'm flying, I'm driving in from Galveston. I just need somewhere to stay for the night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he, it, everything in me said, this is sketchy. Uh, this ain't, <laughs> nah, that is ain't it. But I was like, ah, last day, go ahead and get this honey, honey, honey bun. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we'll be, it will be good. You know what I'm saying? Man, dude. <laughs> Dude checked in the spot. The security guard was the first person to reach out to me. The concierge, the security guard, he said, "TJ, I don't know what the heck you got going on at your apartment, dude, but there's some people in there." And I said, "Wait a minute, what?" So I go on my camera, 
and I'm seeing all these pings. I see all these notifications. My camera like pings me. Uh-huh. So I'm like seeing all these pings. Like, and I look at the up. camera and I realize that it's just black. I said, God, dog, this stupid camera, right when I need it, it's not even working. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm the camera. And so, but then I noticed that that little button, that little red dot, is still like, you can still see yeah. that it's, and I look closely and I see that there's, you can still see movement. Uh-huh. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> they put uh-huh. a sock over. They covered the lens of the oh, camera. Man. I said, oh, man, I threw, this was like one in the morning. I threw my stuff. I rushed over there. Man, this, I'm not talking about, this is a very nice apartment. Yeah. I mean, really nice. The security, I told, I called security. I said, "Look, just wait on me. Don't go up there yet. Let's go together. Yeah. Wait on me." Yeah. So, and I don't stay far from there because I live in the tray. I live here in Third Ward, and uh, so I came, I came, I met them there, and we went, walked up there together. Not just the apartment, one like the the hallway, the entire hallway was packed with people, Damn. and I couldn't believe it. And you, know, you gotta understand, this is a apartment, like nice residential apartments. People asleep. It's one o'clock in the morning. Like insane, I couldn't even believe it. And so, security, get the everybody. He's kicking everybody out, kicking everybody out. Everybody's rushing out there like ants. And so then, thankfully, they didn't break nothing crazy. Nothing major was broken, but man, they left a mess. They even covered the um, the smoke detector because mm. they were smoking weed. Yeah, smoking on <laughs> so, how much they, time did from when he first reached out to you to when he when he uh, checked in did, did he have? Uh, he reached out to me like around. Probably seven that evening, and he checked in. Can you imagine that? He like you, you, you yeah. organized the party yeah. like a couple I hours. Legit. Yeah, I legit. Wow. But the more you know, I didn't. You know, Ooh. I wasn't. I wasn't. Did you get your money back and all this other stuff? Man, or? I was. I was just. I was just worried about more so about them kicking me out the apartment. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that was my yeah. focus. I and you know he. I reached out to Airbnb, filed the claim. Airbnb paid it out, but I won't even. The apartment, the meeting I had the next day was the scary part. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was a tough meeting to have, man, because they, you know, they felt like I abandoned them. They felt like I betrayed them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They felt like I, um, I didn't do what I said I was gonna do. They felt like, you know, man, you said you were, and I was like, look, I'm so so sorry. Mm -hmm. I I I let this one slip, and this one this one's on me. And they put me on probation. On probation. Um, But it was cool because we didn't have any more incidents after that. Yep. And they still let me renew my lease, so everything ended up working out pretty good. But this is, you know, it was a it was a really, really, really interesting situation. And this is the situation that, um, and I like to let people know, like for example, just in Houston, because one of the biggest questions I get now is, man, is there, there's a lot of people doing short term rentals now. Is there too many? Like, is there is mm-hmm. like is there still enough room? Yeah, that's a good eat? question. Yeah, you know what I mean, which is a great question. For example, just in Houston alone, this is this year. Just in Houston alone, between the months of April and September, the number of short-term rentals in the, in the uh, marketplace increased by 60%. Man. Just in that time period, in the city of Houston. March now, to, what, 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 what months? April to September. Man. April to September. Um, and so the thing is, is that, but I don't, honestly, I don't subscribe too much to um, competition and saturation and mm-hmm. whatnot, because to be honest, there's... There's plenty to eat for the good host. Like the platform, like the industry needs more good hosts because yeah. a lot of those folks that flooded the marketplace were just folks that just wanted to do Airbnb. Mm-hmm. The apartment complex don't know what the heck they're doing. They just rented it under their name, assuming that they would just be living there. Mm-hmm. And then the Airbnb in it. That's what most of that influx come from. Mm-hmm. And situations like that transitions to situations like I had back in 2018, which mm-hmm. leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the apartment complex and makes it really, really hard for people who are legitimately looking to build a business. And so that is um, that is now not only is the influx that's happening, but it's making it harder for 
people who are legitimately looking mm-hmm. to do this business. So, um, so can it still be done? Is it still doable? Absolutely, yes. If you're doing your thing, you got your unit set up properly, you got the right support, you got you 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 handling the uh, things like inventory properly, security issues properly, set up your units the right way, like providing an experience for the for the people that you serve. Uh, um, you're gonna always you're gonna, always gonna be plain to eat, plain yep. to eat. Yep. Uh, my, here's my recommendation for folks. My recommendation because the truth is is that the bigger units the well, this is what we found and again different marketplaces might find that it might be different for them what mm-hmm. we found is that the more people you can sleep the more money you can make my bigger units are doing very well um now are they a bigger target for like the parties and whatnot? absolutely yes they're a bigger target for it, but um there are systems that could think there are things that you can put in place to make sure that you hedge that that you avoid that the best way possible and we are still like we haven't had issues even in our bigger units for a while and do they happen yes they happen they will happen Mm -hmm. but you have the right team anything that you come across you'll be able to handle it no problem you know what i mean um it's interesting because my you know one of my one of my friends his name's sean he has a lot of units and one of his units got robbed clean like they clean them out Robbed, cleaned him. They took everything in the by, unit by somebody that uh, like somebody that rented it. rented a plot. Wow. Somebody rented a wow. plot. And he and and uh, and uh, I asked him. I said, "Damn, how'd you handle it?" He said, "Man, I slept like a baby." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> insured, so, right? Well, everything's insured, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah, but he has so many units that don't even make a dent. And, like <laughs> he's not even tripping. Yeah, and and that reminded me of something that one of my mentors used to tell me. When I would have, ask some questions, and and uh, I was like, oh, "Okay, th- th- this is what's going on, and there's this issue." And he said, "You know how you solve that?" Get more units. Mm-hmm. Like he would say it jokingly. Mm-hmm. Everything that you yeah. would, every problem that you would bring him, he said, Man, just get more units. Get more units. He would say it jokingly, but he he was actually making a really good point. Mm-hmm. The more units you have, literally the easier this business is. The easier it gets, easier for it is for you to absorb. handle, absorb certain yeah. things that could happen. And also outsource, right? The more units you have, the more you can delegate, the more you can literally walk away, the more you can, the more you can automate. So yeah, so that's why I think for folks who are looking to build a business, um, um, having a goal of that certain amount of units is, can, can actually build you pretty well. How, sure. how many units do you, before you start adding virtual assistants or whatever, Man. or automating the business where yeah. you're not actually cleaning stuff yeah. yourself? Yeah, for one, for one, the cleaning should have been outsourced with one. Gotcha. <laughs> Cleaning's outsourced with yeah. one unit. Yeah. Um, because I like to let people know. And if you want to clean your units, especially in the beginning, okay. That's I'm tough. Too mad at yeah, it, yeah. You know? I'm not too mad at it, but but don't stay there. Mm-mm. Right? Yeah. That's not where your value is. That's not where your time is the most valued in that position. Now, the cleaning company you're gonna yeah. hire, that's where their time is the most valued. Mm-hmm. Your time is most valued elsewhere, building your business, getting more leases under your belt, uh negotiating more properties to purchase, things like that. But you know, so if but if you want to clean at first, then cool, just don't stay there. But there's actually quite a bit that you can outsource even in the beginning to save you a lot of time. Even with one, two units, you can outsource like your guest communication, right? You can outsource your pricing strategy. You can make your pricing dynamic right away. And that's important because these OTAs, when I say OTAs, I'm talking about Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com. They're called online travel agencies. That's what they're referred to as. And they love attentive hosts. They love people that pay attention to their listing, that consistently check their calendar, that update their pricing, right? So you have to understand the mindset of pricing the way like hotels do, which is dynamic. Mm-hmm. The price that you have on a weekday should not be the same price on a weekend. Matter of fact, the price you have in January should not be your price in April or during the summertime. So your prices should fluctuate based on demand. So you can actually, so what does that mean? That means you have to go in there and change your prices every few days. But you can outsource that by using dynamic pricing technology, like Price Labs is one, Wheelhouse is one. 
beyond pricing is another Ever one. Book. Like, Everbook is yeah. one, but Everbook I'd put them at the bottom of the list. Oh, okay. uh, but, I can't put them. <laughs> but 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 using dynamic pricing is important, mm-hmm. and you can literally outsource that part of it even at the beginning, and that also ensures that you're not leaving any money on the table as well either. Yep. So yeah, there's quite a bit that you can outsource. So I'll say dynamic pricing and also the guest communication because one of the things that also bodes well in terms of how high you rank in a search when people are looking for units is your response rate. Your response time. Yep. Right, your response rate. And Ooh. so you want to ha- be able to respond in an automated fashion and you want to be able to respond quickly when somebody, whenever they inquire, has a question, they want a book, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And that'll keep you um, as one higher for sure. But you can outsource that, even at the beginning. Man. There's what's a lot of knowledge there yeah. in between those two ears. <laughs> what's the, oh, so, so what parts need to be automated or some things that mm. you got automated? How many people you got working for you? Mm. So right now I'll give you my old chart and how I, how we're structured yeah. in my company. Yeah. Um, it's it's me. Oh, and, he, and somebody, you asked a question, a good question about the VAs too and about automation. Yeah. And this kind of ties into what I'm about to answer. Um, I could have out, I could have hired a VA. VA way virtual sooner. Virtual assistant. Virtual right. assistant way sooner than I did. I waited until like 12 units to do it. You could have you could have got it honestly like at six, maybe five even. Like because they're not expensive. In the country or outside the outside country? Outside the country. Okay, like Philippines or something. Yeah, okay. absolutely. They're not expensive at all. Um, and they will save you a lot of time. They will help you out a lot. Um, the biggest issue with VAs is just training them. It's training them. And but because the industry has grown so much, a lot of virtual assistants you can find have short term experience already understand the game mm-hmm. and so it's easier to find some with short-term memory experience than it was before so uh so yeah the uh you can definitely get get a va rather quickly sooner than you think sooner than you think for sure um but the way we're structured right now it's myself of course then i have an executive executive assistant then under her there's two other assistants there these are all vas by the way then the team cleaning team maintenance um i have a maintenance guy he's on retainer um, whether we have 30 maintenance calls that month or zero maintenance calls that month, he gets paid the exact same every month. Um, and then of course, with that, we have a team. There's two. We have two cleaning teams. And um, then all the technology that we use. And that's it. Oh, then I have, uh, like, my guy who's, like, the boots on the ground. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. the runner. We call him the Man. runner. So all this stuff you teach in a yeah. program is yeah, called uh, Short-Term uh, Rental Roadmap, right? Absolutely. Short-Term Rental Roadmap. Uh, and it's... I like to consider this is where entrepreneurs are made. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you know, this whole this whole brand of you know, this whole idea about being a entrepreneur, it's more so a mindset. It's about cash flow. Mm-hmm. Right? You're earning cash flow. Really it doesn't have to even be in real estate, right? Uh, to be a entrepreneur. So uh so yeah, and uh we are literally changing lives in the short term rental industry, in the in the community. And uh and yeah, yeah, we're creating entrepreneurs in the program for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Do the minority report right yeah, we do this thing called the minority report. Um, in your opinion, yeah. where do you see, uh, we know right now it's cool to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to have short-term rentals. It's cool to be an Airbnb. It's cool yeah. to be on Turo. Uh, with all that taking place in 2021, which we know 2020 pushed everybody that way, yeah. where do you see the short-term rental market in the next two to five mm, years? Great question. I think I think, um, I think as, as, as crazy as it's grown, um, it hasn't even reached its potential yet. Um, I think that there's amazing growth ahead for the short-term rental industry as a whole. Uh, when you look at companies like the Marriott, who is looking to come out with their own platform now, just like Airbnb, mm-hmm. and um, now you'll be able to book not only Marriott hotels, but you'll be 
able to find my boutique hotel on there in the future. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now people will be able to use their Marriott points to book your to book a room, your yeah. stay. Yep. When you look at things like that, it hasn't even really taken as full like as groups penetration like it should be. So the amount of growth that's coming uh, for the short term rental industry as a whole, it's it's uh, uh, it's exponential, and I'm super excited about it for sure. Yep. And I think, you know, the industry has been around for for some time now. You know, but it's be- now it's becoming a lot more popular, and and I think that what people should um, should look forward to is probably honestly, probably more regulations in certain markets. Mm-hmm. But honestly, understand that regulations isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? If they and their regulations could be good in terms of weeding out people that probably shouldn't be doing this business anyway. Yep. Right. Yep. So so, but so a lot of times regulations just make room for the people who are actually trying to grow business right it's just like when 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 cars were invented people you know licenses didn't just come about people were driving these cars and getting accidents didn't know what the heck they were doing and then they said okay everybody stop we need Mm -hmm. to get some structure here now you got to know how to drive you got to get tested to drive you got to take the written test and you got to have a license right and so regulations aren't necessarily a bad thing It'll probably improve the um, the experience for absolutely for the renter i I call it a moat like you it's like a Big water field around the protecting you. Just like I have a license, I'm a physical therapist, a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, there's a lot of people can that can do physical therapy or chiropractic. You know, as far as like they, you know, as far as the way they do it. But it's like something that protects your. Yeah. Like you had, did you have a license when you were an engineer? So, uh, no, didn't have a license when I was oh, an engineer. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have to have one though. To yeah. do what I did, I wasn't. My goal wasn't to. And what's crazy is that uh, I remember when I was in engineering school. You know, you can have a license, you can get a license, you could be a PE, um, yeah, uh, a professional, uh, engineer. professional engineer. I was like, yeah, I was, you know, I, my plan was to get one, and um, I'm just really glad that I didn't pursue because once I realized that I didn't want to be an engineer for too much longer, there's no need. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I look at regulations as just like something that protects the people yeah. on the inside. Yeah. You know. So. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. You got your questions? Yeah, let me, I, I got like an either or question when you yeah. got to choose one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Clubhouse or Instagram? <laughs> that's, you know, that's a good question for me because, of course, it, naturally everybody would say Instagram, right? Instagram. You got a big following. But, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Clubhouse changed my life, yo. Mm-hmm. Wow. Clubhouse changed my life this year. Clubhouse had so much value. The relationships I've been able to build at Clubhouse. The, I wouldn't, I know for a fact I wouldn't have had the kind of growth I had this year without Clubhouse. I'm not even going to kid you. My, my guy, Byron, he, uh, he was the first one who, who, who invited me to Clubhouse. He sent me the invite. I was like, bro, what is this? He said, bro, some dope conversations happening. And this, like, bro, I, I'm i trying to see if I should get into TikTok. I ain't got time. <laughs> it's all the stuff already I'm trying to figure out. I got Instagram. I'm trying to, man. I said, another social media thing? First day I jumped on, I said, oh, wow, okay. And I just started just people just asking me questions. I was just dropping game. I was just giving mm, value. Yeah. And people were like, yo, what the heck? You know, you like you know your stuff in this business. I say, yeah. <laughs> what y'all what else y'all want to know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Go buy my program. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh oh no, Clubhouse has been a game changer for sure. Okay. So I you know I I'll probably still say Instagram, of course, but man, for the for the purpose of of this conversation Clubhouse. and because we're still in 2021. I'll say Clubhouse. Man. All right. Okay. Uh, Chris Senegal or Max Maxwell? 
Why would you ask me that? You know they gonna watch this, bro. You gotta pick one. <laughs> I don't, you gotta pick one. There's no way I'm picking one. Those are my guys. <laughs> right. I'm not picking one. Those are my both. guys. Oh, by the way, side note, um, they they're both gonna be in attendance in my next summit too. I'm doing Ooh. my first my first summit. Uh, it's gonna be a three day short term rental summit. It's gonna be Ooh. focused on short term rental industry. When right? is this? This is gonna be uh, tentatively. Tentatively, April the second, the weekend of April the second. I'll be there. there. Y'all gotta come. It's gonna be crazy here in Houston. Um, Once I once I firm up the location, of course we'll firm up. We'll have the date firmed, Uh, but it's gonna be a three day event. Uh, My goal is to show people everything within and even all the nuances within the short term industry. But I'm also having other industry experts within real estate to show you how you can acquire and different strategies to own your short term rentals as well. I just had a student that did a lease on a short term rental, but she also negotiated a lease purchase. Mm-hmm. Right. So in two years, she'll be able to exercise the option to purchase the property if she likes it and it's generating good cash flow for her. So now then she's going to own it. Mm-hmm. But she started off leasing it to own it. Right. So different ways you can own um, I love doing a bird strategy using private money. Of course, we're going to talk about that heavy, but other creative strategies as well. But and then, of course, everything involving short-term rentals. We're mm-hmm. diving into that and all the pricing strategies. I mean, just everything, direct bookings, everything. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. So awesome. Be on lookout for that. All right. And they're both going to be there. So that's so. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so you're not choosing either. I can't choose either. Man. We're my guys, man. My oh, that's cool. Wholesaling uh, <laughs> or flip? She. You know, wholesaling. Man, there's pros and cons to both, bro. Um, yeah. Wholesaling, you know, it's interesting because wholesaling is, um, it's almost like it, it's almost like running. In theory, it's simple. Running is one foot after the other. Mm-hmm. But if I was to tell you go run a marathon right now, Mm-mm. you wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-mm. Wholesaling, in theory, is not a hard strategy. You put a property in the contract, you know, for for fifty thousand, sell it the contract for, for fifty five thousand, mm-hmm. making five k delta. But is honestly probably the hardest strategy there is to do. Yeah, <laughs> probably the hardest strategy there. But but because the hardest part is 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 getting the right deals, getting being connected to the sort, the lead generation, the whole nine. So, but I would still say I would still say wholesaling because wholesaling to me, if you once you master it, um, you know how to wholesale. It'll make you an amazing investor. Good. All right, yeah. uh, Donicia or Alexa Wright. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so, okay. Pardon, pardon me. I, I, I'm not sure who that first name is. Uh, don't need uh, flipping the hills. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. It. Um, yeah. well, I, I had to go Alexa because I don't know too much about. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know Donicia that well. Okay. Know, like okay. personally, no. Per- I don't know her personally. I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna know her personally in the okay. future. But I don't know her personally right now, so I have to give it to Alexia. Right okay. Zo or uh, CEO Matty J. <laughs> <laughs> These are my guys, man. <laughs> you know, um, man, you know, my ATL guys, bro. Um, God, you're going to make me pick. Uh, um, man, come on now. Come on now. You know what? My guy Zoe, my guy Zoe, man, you know, <laughs> you know, he was in Houston earlier this year. And, yeah. You know, actually, you know, we connected and. Yeah, we missed that. And uh, that was my, you know, we, 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 man, that's my guy. That's, man, Maddie. Come on, man. Y'all. <laughs> you got, just pick both. You got both. I got both. You got give both. Right. Yeah, give me both. Uh, rental property or Airbnb? Airbnb, 100%, Airbnb. hands down. 2,000%. Yep. Commercial building or house? Commercial building or a house? Um, I'll say a commercial building. I mean, it depends on what type of house, but I'm just going to say just a regular house. Or a commercial building. I'm mm-hmm. saying commercial building because I'll be able to do more with it. Uh, money or equity? Equity. 
Section eight or regular tenant? That's a good question. Neither. <laughs> if I had to pick, but neither. <laughs> but if I had to pick, um, I'm just gonna go with what I because understand I was a traditional landlord mm-hmm. prior to get into the short term rental game. I'm just gonna go with the one that I had the best experience with. That's regular tenants. Okay. Uh one million followers or Airbnb? Or oh, one million followers or what Airbnb? Or oh, one million Airbnb? Yeah, just one, no, one Airbnb. Oh, one Airbnb? One, yeah. Oh, no, nah, a million followers. A million followers. followers. Easy. Right, yeah. I'll be able to make way more exactly. money. Exactly. Yeah. 850 credit score, a million dollars. Damn. <laughs> I had, I, I had, I was just about to say the 850, but but I, I processed it for a second. You I'm can like, flip uh, the million. You can flip the mill too. The 850's powerful. It is. That can do a lot of damage. You know what? I'm gonna say 850. Here's why. Trust me, it's 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 tomatoes, pota- like it's 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 Mathematical seamless, right? Talking, but yeah. I will say 850 because you can f off the million. Yeah, you can f off the million on a bad deal. Okay. And honestly, and and it, and honestly, it don't take you to be a bad investor for that to happen. You can be good. You can know what you're doing. You could just get in touch. You can be in bed with the right, wrong person, or it could mm. just be the wrong property, and things don't turn out the way you want it to be, and that million's gone. That eight fifty, even if I, I leverage that eight fifty, something happens, I can still use that eight fifty to, to, to earn more leverage. So I'll say the eight fifty. So last question: uh, Rich dad, poor dad, or no BS wealth attraction? Mm. I have to say, rich dad, poor dad, only because that was a first. Entrepreneurship, real estate book. All right. And that changed my entire perspective. But they're both phenomenal, phenomenal readers. Mm. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. we enjoyed it. All the, all the info. This is, this is fun. Y'all be kicking it like this all the time. Yeah, man. so. <laughs> fun, man. That, uh, that's going to wrap up the show this afternoon. Um, make sure you follow TJ to Johnny. Absolutely. Uh, at Instagram. TJ to Johnny. Yep, at TJ. Uh, he has a program called um, The Short Term. Rental roadmap. Rental roadmap. Make sure you get that. So uh, like, subscribe. We appreciate it. Hopefully you guys picked up something uh, from this. Peace, y'all. Appreciate it.